Hello to the humbled hopefuls of the world, the sincere seekers out there, and to all those who are still becoming. Welcome to this episode of The Wrong Conversation Podcast. I am David Peters, and on behalf of myself and my dear friend and co-host Adrian Fiorucci, we would like to welcome you to our little podcast family. Today we are going to talk about taking credit and accepting blame in life. How much of your life is your fault? How much responsibility should you take? How much can you take? And what for? And what does that actually look like on the ground. If you have been enjoying these conversations, we always invite you to follow the show, share us with your friends, hey, you can even share us with your enemies. Leave us a like, maybe even leave us a nice little review. It is almost Christmas. You can always find the show on YouTube as well if you're someone who likes to watch. If you'd like to stay in touch and informed about what we're doing, a link to the mailing list can be found in the podcast description. Okay, so with all of that necessary business out of the way, it is time to jump into our extemporaneous deep dive into credit and blame. How much credit should you take for your life? Or on the other side, how much blame should you accept for your life or for yourself? As usual, I think it's, it's an interesting thing to think about how multidimensional these things are. Even though they sound like kind of simple questions, right? How much blame should you take for yourself? How much credit for you, should you take for yourself? I think we're going to find as we dive in, it goes a lot of different places. Well, I was really excited about it because this, this is the only conversation I can think of that has a really simple answer. Mm. You know, like how much, how much blame should you take for your life? The answer is 57%. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And, that, that's and credit uh, is, uh, is 42. That's it. That's the <laughs> So please, uh, so I hope you enjoyed this video and it brought yes. some value to leave your life. Leave a comment. Please, you know, uh, make sure you subscribe. Please like, subscribe. <laughs> leave, leave a comment. Please join the mailing list. <laughs> well, so this, this came from, uh, so... I, I thought about this topic because one of the things I say to to myself often and, and to people that I talk to about these subjects, um, I'll often say, hey, don't take so much credit for yourself. Hmm. And that that's always kind of like, a, you know, how often does someone say that to you? Hmm. But um, but it's something I, I really learned or it was a lesson I needed to learn, I guess hmm. is a better way of saying it, in my own life. Right. How much of it's yours? You know, how much <laughs> I have a friend who's a coach uh, and we always laugh because uh, coaching is all about questions. And one of our favorite questions that we joke about is, hey, how is this your fault? Right? <laughs> that that's what we're really doing when we come right. to talk to people as coaches. It all comes down to, well, hey, how, how, how is this your fault? You know, well, to get them to take responsibility, of course. Right. I mean, that's kind of the joke about. It. Yeah. Right. Exactly. For whatever part they can take responsibility for. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So I leave that in your lap. I just uh, that whole question is is which one is it or how much of which one is it just has really been interesting me and I think that exploring that territory has led to a a lot of deeper richness in my own life and it's solved some problems in me. <laughs> sure. Or is solving in the middle of solving perhaps some challenges I have and I just thought it'd be a really good thing to talk about today. 
Well, I think it is too, again, because it's multidimensional, because it goes just as much the other way, which can be very useful in coaching, right? In other words, people are carrying all the blame when so much of it is just not their fault. I mean, it's just, what could you yeah. have done, you know, about this when you were five years old, for crying out loud, you know? And this is when it started, if we're really exploring, you know, as an example, right? I mean, there's, I know, like I say, for me, I, I know I've struggled with alcohol for large portions of my life. You know, man, I was raised that way, though. I watched my dad drink and do other things most of my childhood, right? So uh, just just to keep it personal. But when you're working yeah. with somebody too, it's so it's so true. Like it feels like, and, and there, of course, like you said, how is this your fault? At some point, we have to take responsibility for whatever it is. But some of that too, though, is to realize that it isn't all our fault, right? And just as much yeah, as yeah. we can't take the credit for it, we can't take the blame. And that can be really like a, a big weight off when somebody sees it clearly too. When they can really open to themselves to that, right? Open themselves to the fact that, okay, there's lots of reasons you're here where you are today. And a lot of them have nothing to do with you whatsoever. You know, I, I think of your yeah. impossible math thing. Like, you usually use that as a way, like, we're trying to figure things out. We're trying to do the impossible math. But there's a flip side to me that I talk about that kind of thing where the amount of things that had to happen for you and I to be here, David, right? They're incalculable. I mean, there's so yeah. many things. And how many of those things were actually in your control? Very, very few, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, this is another way to look at that. And that can go both ways, too. Again, it can be like make you feel good about yourself in a weird way. And then it can make you feel, you know, like it can make you feel bad, I suppose. You know, like. Well, there's always that debate is how much of life is personal responsibility. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, nature right? versus there, nurture, right? Yeah. 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 Nature versus nurture. How much of it is like it's all on you or mm -hmm. or it takes a village, right? It's, it's, yeah, like one right. Of those, it's like those two things. And I think people tend to fall into different camps naturally. Yeah. I was always a naturally, uh, well, it's, it's, it's all up to you kind of person. So I think that's why for me, my my meeting reality was more like, oh, it's not just me. Like, like so much that is me was like, I carry things, but I didn't make them. Right. You know, like they're not mine. They were kind of given to me, you know? Um, and it wasn't just about uh, family and stuff. It was my environment in the world. It was circumstances that I found myself in. It was things I was exposed to. It was... Sure all of these things, but it goes even deeper. It's like, then I started exploring this deeper and I thought, wow, it's just like the ideas you come into contact with. Mm. But, like I think about friends who introduced me to a band or something and then all of a sudden that influences me or they show me a movie and then that movie influences who I am and gives me a story to tell. And then I go right. on a trip and I meet a friend and that, like, like you said, how much of these things do we have any control over? How many of these things are we even... Could we ever have predicted? Right, right. So for my personal journey was from it's all it's all up to me to uh, it takes a village, right? That was the that was the side of the equation I had to become more familiar with. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That I have more, a similar think, story, if you don't mind. Yep. It, and it's no, short. No, it's, it's it's short. It's not even a story. Oh, thank I God. Guess. Thank God. But it's right. <laughs> thank God. It's short. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <Thanks>. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, no. 
as I was doing this inner work, like I'm always talking about, and, and I'm, I'm spending time quiet alone, what, and I, what I really mean by that is meditating, right? So I'm exploring my inner world and just getting really quiet. And there's a, there's a great deal of objectivity that comes from that, right? Because you're letting go of these things, all these thoughts and these feelings. And I started being able to see myself at a, in a certain way, again, more objectively, right? And it, was, it, it happened quite quickly how obvious it became to me how little I could take credit for. I, and I actually did think in those terms too, David. Like it was pretty obvious to me. Like, like I have a certain level of intelligence. I have a certain level of, of attractiveness by the, you know, by, the, by the standards of the world. Or, right? And I have, I have a certain level of, of uh, energy that I, you know, I get from my mother. That is another thing, you know, like the high energy, right? which has served me a lot of times but, and made me who I am. And, and the list kept going on and on and on and on. Right? I could just see it. And I realized none of those things really could I take credit for. Like they just were yeah. who I am. And there was something, I had a similar experience, right? There was a little bit of me that was like, well, God, that sucks, you know? Because <laughs> I could see it really clearly. But then there was something freeing about it, actually. Yeah. There was something yeah. very liberating about it. And, and I still find that to be the truth, you know, the fact. And, and actually, when you think about it in spiritual terms or in the spiritual world, so much of that... So much of that journey is about that, actually. Realizing who you really are. And some of that is to realize who you aren't or what you can't take credit for in a way. Like, like what's just kind of happening, you know? Like uh, yeah. the stars aligning sort of stuff, you know? It's, it's some big stuff going on. I love that you say that it's like, freeing or or yeah. like it's like a, it absolves you of some <laughs> of some weight um so whenever i whenever i start like working with somebody like if i'm coaching somebody the, one of the very first things i do is i recommend that they take two assessments yeah you know like just two self-assessments to, to kind of figure out where they're at and and they ask very similar questions which is really funny but they lead the assessments are designed to lead to very different places and, and one of them is just kind of a personality assessment that everyone loves personality assessments you know who am i which box do i right. fit in you know right. but all these things but it but it does a pretty good job at laying out how you're built hmm. like how you're made what was given to you you right. know like naturally and and to tell you how you compare to other people and 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 that's one assessment and i like doing that because it shows you here's all the things that you can't really take the blame or credit for right right this is all the stuff that's not your fault and you can't change right so so are you agreeable or disagreeable or you know are you into this or into that you know it like all that stuff is built in. Like, did you choose any of that? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? And So that's what you are in a way. But then there's a second assessment that asks very similar questions. But what this one does is it kind of shows you how you're using what you are yeah. or what you have to work with. And this is the one that shows you, you know, uh, uh, the choices you do have and uh, the way you can approach things. And I really like starting with those two assessments because it really opens up that this conversation we're having right now yeah how much of it can you and can't you take credit for and and it shows you that you have a nature but you also have a choice yeah right and that both of these exist and it's really good to 
explore the lines between these two things. Sure, yeah. And and to understand maybe which is which just a little bit more or to get a, at least a more nuanced conversation happening around which is which. Right. You know, and uh, because because there's a lot of stuff that's not your fault but that you still have to take responsibility for. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah, when I, when I when when I'm working with people, especially if they're really struggling, like, uh, you know, say they're having a really tough time, maybe they're depressed, maybe they're, you know, struggling with anxiety or something like that. So they're struggling in that sort of a way. And that usually comes from, uh, especially if it's something that has been chronic in a way, right? And it comes from their past in a lot of ways. And it comes from this history, these things that they, they, that we start to identify with, right? And I will share a saying from one of my favorite spiritual teachers who says one of the most important and difficult things that you will have to let go of is your suffering. Which is to say that people start to, this is their identity, and they take credit for it in a weird way, or, or blame for it is better, is better said, right? And at some point, you're going to have to look at that and say, so much of that is not my fault right? This is the let go of the blame. So you can feel that liberation. And then you have to be willing to take responsibility for it here, right? Which is what you can do now with what is, right? But all of that starts with being willing to let go of the suffering at some point. It's not even right then. It's not, it's, this is not a, of course, you would never want to, uh, uh, what's the word? You know, we're not trying to shove it away, but we have to realize that at some point we have to loosen our grip on it. Because a lot of times, whether we realize it or not, we're holding that pretty tight, whether it's from blame, right? Because that's a way of holding yeah. it. You, you, you know what I mean? Or taking credit for things that, and that, that's another way of, of avoiding not looking at certain things, you know, when we're, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think th that's such an important dynamic, like letting yeah. go of what's not yours, but then taking on what can be. Or, or where you can take things from here. And that, to me, that's what, like, that's what our work as coaches is all about. Yeah. It's like, it's not about, I'm not trying to fix somebody. I'm not trying to change who they are. And there's all kinds of things that, first of all, uh, it's, again, it comes down to, to uh, for me, to this quote that I love, awareness alone is curative. Curative, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, have you ever really explored how much of you is just kind of baked into the cake and how much of it is something that you've added to the cake or whatever metaphor we want to use? But, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, you know, how much of it is something, you know, somewhere you've taken it? And then and then how much, and this, this kind of opens up, because in coaching, the goal is to maybe make some changes. So it's in, then how much can you change? And, or how do you do that how change? Do you, yes, how do you, right. How do you take what you've been given and then move it somewhere. Yeah. But I, that's why I start with awareness alone is curative because I think one of the biggest first step is just understanding that there are these two sides of things. There's fault and, and responsibility and, and how they play together. And that there's a part of you that's baked in and a part of you that's not. And, and then just drawing the lines between those two things just to start with some awareness of what you're actually working on. 
Yeah, that's what I mean when, when I saw that my, for myself, right? Like I've shared this, I think we shared this in the last conversation where, you know, I was a big goal setter and you know what I mean? And accomplishing all these things and doing all these things. And, and so I took all kinds of credit for that because it seemed like there was so much of that was, I was living consciously, as I had said, right? And, and of course there was some truth to that. But then what, what the openness allowed when I, when I was really just looking, you know, quietly looking, I could see, but that was a domino falling. I mean, that, you know, you were kind of set that way from the get-go, you know, obviously yeah. in a certain way. And again, like I said, that was a little disheartening or, or disconcerting, right, for a minute. But like, then it was very liberating. Then it was very liberating. And then it became, it started to shift the way that I personally started dealing with life, right? Or, or the way I worked with it, with myself, with life. I actually got to be a little more relaxed, you know? Even though I still have high energy, you know, I still have. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really relaxed, high energy, whatever that yeah, looks really like. I was gonna try to, I was gonna try to show it with my body, but I thought I, I couldn't, I couldn't manage to bridge those two at the same time. Yeah. Well, so, so, yeah, it, it is. It, it, because so much of not being able to make a change is just because you're, you're carrying a bunch of weight with you, right? That, that. Here's my Santa sack of weight. You're, you're carrying all this weight <laughs> with you that, that. Maybe you can't, like you said, until you let go of your suffering, you can't make the, the change. And some of that suffering is tied to stuff that's not your fault. And that's if you right. can just understand that, it's so much easier to let it go because you don't have to you don't have to tell yourself that you owe the world something for that particular thing. You know, that there's that you can you right. can let go of the guilt for certain things because they aren't yours. And I think so, that just opens up a little space. It yeah. does, exactly, exactly. And I love that phrasing, right? Opens up a little space. That's such a big thing. You know, some of the, this is what I was trying to allude to before. I don't think I said it very well, but sometimes taking too much credit leads to suffering too. For a lot of different reasons. One, right? It can be, it can lead to arrogance. That's a really obvious one. But another yeah. way is that you're not seeing things clearly enough because you're taking credit for things that really it's not a true picture of reality, right? So that leads to trouble. That was part of what I realized too, because some of my, like I had this really amazing period. It was years of, you know, a, a, the ability to manifest stuff, David. I was so tempted to tell some wild stories. I don't know if I've ever even told you some of these stories, right? Where I, I would just, you know, like do some crazy things, some really amazing things happened in my life. And I started to feel like this was me, like I was in control of all this. Of course, it ran its course, David, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I yes. still, you know what I mean? It's just like anybody who's traded stocks actively knows this too, right? You'll have a really good run and then you'll have a really bad one, you know? It's a really, and you're taking all the credit for it when, when it's going good, you know? Like I made so many great decisions, you know? But, but the truth is some of that was just happening. Beginner's luck, you might call it, or, or, you know, that kind of thing. Same thing with the manifesting in my life, right? Like all of a sudden. And so it was hard for me to rectify that because I thought I had figured out the puzzle pieces. Does that make any sense? It caused suffering. This is what I'm trying to, yeah. you know, share. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to, you know, part of that awareness alone is curative or just getting more awareness is just is just going there and looking and thinking about all the things that, you might be taking credit or blame for yeah. that aren't yours. And I think coming to terms with that, especially if you're taking credit, like for mine, it was all taking credit. I didn't, I didn't like blame very much. I didn't take a lot of blame, <laughs> but I was taking a whole lot of credit, you know? And so, um, and so it can be a bit of a, a bit of a hit, but it does, um, 
you know, it it just also leads to lots of other questions. There's a there's a um, uh, Carl Jung quote I really love that that also ties into this. It says people don't have ideas, ideas have people. Mm. And so it opens up things like that because, because like I said, you, you meet somebody, they put an idea in your head, and that idea can, can carry with you and leads ah. to all kind of outcomes. Yeah. I talked with a, we were, we were um, yeah, like you, you meet parents, you know, we meet a lot of parents, and you don't know them very well, but you, you learn a lot about people pretty quickly. And, and people will say something revealing about what they think about how the world works. And then you watch how they parent, and then you can see, oh my God, that idea has decided, you know? Of course. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Kids, have, kids have too much, there's too much structure in kids' life, or there's not enough structure in kids' life, right? So there's, there's two different opinions, and then you can just watch how, and, and that idea has a hold of them, right? And then they play out that idea. Right, the idea has them. They don't have the idea. Right, the idea is, and so much time because once we identify with something, David, once we find we get at that level, and it feels like ours, and we're starting to take credit for it, it's very hard to change, even in the face of all experience. Like your child could be throwing fits constantly and be a hot mess. Obvious to everybody in the world and even to yourself, but this idea will that that maybe led to some of that, right, will continue because it's part because you're because t- it's just it owns you like you're saying, and if you don't see yeah. that, you have no chance. But you know, and we say that I think everybody knows that sort of parenting. We've all probably participated in in, in one way or another. Relationships, though, meaning like partnerships, very much the same. Jobs. Yeah. Very much the same, right? You have a, an idea owns you of who you are in your job, and you take credit for it, and therefore you identify with it. So then all of a sudden, whew, blinders are on. This is why it's good to yeah. ask these questions, right? Yeah. Because ideas yeah. really do possess people, and you think that yeah. this is what you believe. And, and I guess technically you believe it, but it's not because you chose to believe it. Like the thing possessed you, right? Right. You, you are the tool. And we all have lots of parts of us that are like that. This, this yeah. reminds me, and I think I shared this in another video. I can't remember which one, but it reminds me very much of, the, of a metaphor I love to share with people when, when we're getting into these certain kind of conversations. It's the standing in the river. And your back's to the current, so it's kind of pushing you along, right? And most of us, this, this is like a metaphor for life, right? We're standing in this river of life, and we're splashing about, because, you know, we're trying to do our thing, or, and we think that we're creating the river, or that we're creating the flow of the river, and we're doing all these things. But the truth is, it's all happening, right? It's just kind of pushing us along one way or the other. A lot of times, the splashing about is really what we would call suffering, or, you know, it, it's like the show. It's the, you know, it's like we're putting on some sort of show to feel like we're doing something. But the truth is, it's all, it's all happening for the most part. So then what can we do? Because, you know, to go back, I'm, I think your math is wrong in the beginning. I don't, I don't want to contradict you, David, but I don't think it's 57. Is that what you said? It's more like 17. <laughs> it's oh. a very small oh. number. I all mean right. it. Like, I re- this is my personal belief. That what, we, what we're actually doing in life is actually very small, but that fifth, 17, you know, or something, is super important. Like, how, so what is it that we can do? We can understand this predicament we're in, that we're in the flow of life, and so much of it is going on beyond our control, and we can start to learn and understand how to work with it. 
how yeah. to get how to work with the current the current of who we are our our physical body our emotional intelligence that was probably given to us from you know right you feel it right that, that this is the this is the metaphor of the river for me personally and then once you can do that it, it life becomes a little bit more like the song row 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 your boat <laughs> right <laughs> gently down the stream i mean cuz you're just trying to work with it it's not always gentle but you know well i love i love the river metaphor i just I love it because it's a great metaphor, but you can take it even further. Like, uh, you know, uh, we have a, a pool here on the property, and so we had to teach our kids how to swim or at least how to survive if they fell in the pool. Yeah. And and one of the things that, that is really hard to express, especially to a young kid, it's like if you get scared and you start splashing about, yeah. that's when you're yes. going down. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and what do you do to stay afloat? Stop yourself for a minute. Breathe in. Relax. Lay on your back and chill <laughs> yeah. out. So fun, and then all of a it? sudden you rise, like then then you rise to the top and you save your own life. And they do that. I even remember seeing some video on like um, they were training soldiers, maybe Navy SEALs or something, and they but they bound their hands and their legs and they throw them in a pool. And they say, okay, let's see if you make it. And then if they don't, they pull them out and they resuscitate them or something. It's really rough. But the but everyone's there trying to get out of the hand things or trying to swim just using their body, but they can't quite make it work because they're bound, and they fail. But the the ones who succeed are the ones that just let themselves drop to the bottom of the pool. They kick off from the bottom of the pool, so they rise slowly back up to the top. They get their head above the water one time. They breathe in. They roll over on their back and they float. It's the easiest, simplest, most kind of uh, yeah. little thing, and I think that. The river is taking you along, and, and because it's taking you along, either you think you got to make the whole river move, so you're splashing. Right. Or the river is overwhelming, so you're splashing. Or you don't know what else you're supposed to be doing, so you're splashing. Right. right. But, that's, that's even more accurate, I think. <laughs> but 90% of that is wasted energy. It is. And, yeah. and, and based on fear or based on a sense of lack, like we often talk about, and, right. the, and the secret is to learn that the trick is to just take a deep breath and relax. Yeah. Right? And you can't really know that until you try it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and of course, you know, it takes some practice. You know, it's not going to go perfect the first time. But it's, starting, it's learning the, that art, I would say, right? The art of floating yeah. or, 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 or you know, flowing. Like, like, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that the actual experience will tell you. Like, it's hard to say, let me just stop splashing and see if I sink or not, because, well, there's a price, right? right? There's a perceived price to pay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's often a, it is, takes a, a little leap of faith to start trying that. It does. It does. Because that idea owns you a little bit. The idea that you're doing something and this thing is important. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, a lot of times when, I, when I'm working with somebody too, I'll, I'll talk to them about you know, because I'm always trying to help people deal with their thoughts, their thinking, and their emotions, right? And that, that's like one of my big thing focuses. And um, so I'll say, hey, you know, an interesting little project is just throughout the day, pay attention to a couple of thoughts you're having that are pretty trivial, right? Like, like maybe you're thinking about the groceries you got to pick up, and you've thought about it like five times now already. So you pretty much know what you got to pick up. But the mind will tend to do that, right? It just ruminates. It keeps going over and over again. So just look for that, you know, kind of not that important thought and let it go. You know, we don't want to go for the big ones where you're worrying about your kids or, you know, you're really, because that's like, that's hard to let that go. You feel like it's so important. You guys, so pick one that's trivial. 
And I've actually had more than one person tell me after this. So, so I'll say, just do that as an experiment and fun. Well, next time we talk, we'll see how that goes, you know. And I've had more than one pe- person tell me that I couldn't do it. They're all important. <laughs> you know, they're all important thoughts. <laughs> and that's somebody who's bought into that idea. That's the reason I'm bringing it up, right? Like, because the truth is, I mean, it's pretty obvious they can't all be important thoughts. We know how our brains work. It, it spends a lot of time thinking about not that important things, right? But it feels that way. It's the splashing. But then I, I tend to think that the answers often have to look kind of similar to the challenge itself. So, like, you have to, when you're looking for solutions to these things, they kind of have to be natural to nature, Right, I always say, you know, we want solutions that are natural to your nature, and and <clears throat> we're, as we're discussing here, a lot of the way nature is built is that maybe you are only seventeen percent in in control. Maybe only seventeen instead of fifty-seven. Maybe seventeen percent right. is is all you have to work with. In fact, I have that T-shirt that says ninety-five percent unconscious impulses and, and and five. <laughs> I, I should have wore that today, but I already wore it for Tool. But it was probably even better for this episode. But just saying that that only 5% of what your brain is doing is you're even conscious of, right? right? So that so, so that's the challenge, or, or that's the predicament you're in. So the solution kind of has to look like that as well. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, in, so instead of telling people, okay, time to get super aware and take 100% ownership and control right. of everything, of the whole river, no. Understand that you're in the river. And understand that that you can either try to swim upstream if you want to fight the river. You're going to wear yourself out. You can just splash there helplessly, uh, extending all your energy. You're going to wear yourself out. Or you can understand that you are moving with the river and make a small adjustment that will slowly start maybe, you know, you're going to be going downstream no matter what. But if you want to get out of the river, then maybe just move to the side a, a little bit as you go down the river. Like you can, I, I off, uh, another way of saying it is like, like when you're riding yeah. a horse, who's doing the work? The horse is doing the work. Are you moving the horse's legs? No. Right. Are you right. are you paying attention this. to every step of the horse? No. What are you doing? You are making tiny adjustments telling the horse, I want to go a little bit left. I want to go a little bit faster. Let's slow down here. Watch out for this. But the horse is the one taking you through. It's the same thing as driving right. on a highway in the car. Like the car is doing all this stuff and you're just sitting there with your hand on the wheel, staring forward. And what are you doing to stay in your lane? These little movements yeah. of the steering yeah. wheel, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And to me, that's life because if you accept that so much of it is automatic and that your job is not to take control over all of the little actions, that's the it. whole that's river, it. the whole horse, the whole car... <laughs> And it's just to it's just to make these little manipulations in the direction that you're heading. That's your part, right? The rest is something that's given to you. <laughs> the world gives it to you. Your nature gives it to you. Your genes give it to you. Your ideas give it to you. And then all you have are these little adjustments. And then solutions have to look like that. So, so something we talk about. Your word that I love, exposure. You want to change your mood. You don't like go in there and force a new mood. Maybe you, what you can adjust is change what you're exposed to. And then what you're exposed to seeps into your mood. And then your mood changes because the environment is doing the work. Does this all make sense? I'm I'm going on and on. Of course it does. Oh, no, no, no. This is perfect and beautiful. Absolutely. I'm I'm trying to unpack this. Yeah. 
Let the no, world do the a, work. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because it already is. See, what I was going to say, funny enough, is that that asking these two questions, how much credit can I take and how much blame can I take, is really just another game of awareness. And I really yeah. do believe that in the end, what you find out is very little can you actually take credit or blame for. That's what's liberating, though. This is sort of liberating. You start to realize that you can't do that or you're not doing as much as you think. So then, because you get a clearer picture of what's actually going on, you can start to focus where it matters, like you're saying. Because before you were doing all these things thinking you were doing stuff that you weren't really doing. Either it was already happening for you, or it wasn't accomplishing much because you're not gonna, you know, you can't fight upstream as you, you know what I mean? So, So then once we get this reality check a little bit, I think that's the usefulness of these, that's what it was for me, for sure. When I started seeing that, because it came simultaneous, like I said, it first started with, oh, I can't take credit for these things as much as I thought. But then it was very obvious very quickly. That meant that I couldn't take blame either for as many things yeah. as I was or thought. I mean, they just go hand in hand. Wow. You know, it's like, the, like I say, it was kind of freeing. And then it was, okay, well, so what is going on? What can I do? What am I responsible for? And your relationship. Oh, this is the, this is yeah. the river. This is the this river. Is it's not me. This is the river. Yeah. Like, like you. you and what's oh, my relationship not... to the river? You know. Yeah. What's my relationship to 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 myself in the river? This is the uh, you know fighting. You know, like like it, it's a. I'm using this word relationship, David, too, because I it I want it to be a visceral thing. Like it's it's a feeling sense. So yeah, I just think understanding that that that. You aren't the river, right? Like, like yeah. you said, and then knowing that that the game is in time in making tiny adjustments, but not just tiny adjustments. It's not just about making them small. It's about putting yourself in a position to let the river do the work for you. This is yeah. part of this is like a martial arts thing. It's like if if somebody yeah. throws a punch at you, don't block the punch, right? You yeah. was it wax on, wax off again, right? This <laughs> right. is a, back to the. Back yeah. to that, you 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 wax it off. Why? Because you're the person who's trying to throw life is throwing a punch at you. You use the momentum of that, and you just move it aside a little bit, and and, right. and that's the way it works. And so you want to set yourself up in, like uh, that's why I, you talk about exposure. I call it circumstance design. It's like put things in your environment that kind of do the work for you. Right. Being married. Being married is like the ultimate exposure, right? Uh, game like like when I, I look at myself now versus ten years ago, and I'm a different person. Like I've oh, yeah. I've grown a bit. I've changed my behavior. I've taken on responsibilities I could never do. I've achieved things I never did before. And so there's times when I go, ha ha, I have really grown. <laughs> but then yeah. I really sit back and I look. It's like, well, no, that's my wife's influence on me. That's what being a father has taught me how to do. This is what owning a home has taught me how to do. This is what being around my family has taught me how to do. The the world life did the work. My my environment did the work. But what did I do? Well, I I just chose to go there. I chose yeah. to be in that marriage. I chose to have those kids a bit as much as you can choose. I mean, you're driven to do these things yeah, subconsciously right. anyway. But I still did. I chose and I chose to put myself in the circumstances I knew were going to help me. And then my just experience did the work. I didn't do the work. I, I mean, I did some work, but but 95% of it was just happened because of the river 
I put myself in in a way. So I, I just think about finding solutions that kind of look like that. Yes, and I, and I have to hearken back to our last conversation, which was about goals. Because mm -hmm. plenty of people get married, have children, and it doesn't change them that much. Yeah. Right? So I, I, we need to acknowledge this. So, so why did it change you? And it definitely did the same thing for me and continues to do so. Right? Well, part of that is because we did have the goal, like a big higher goal in mind, right, David? That kind of was looking for that, looking for growth, looking yeah. for, you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. and consciously to some degree, like, like, again, maybe we were built for that. To, you know, I think a part of that is for sure. I've always been naturally interested in these sorts of things since I was a young kid, you know, but but I kept making that choice because that's also true. I just want, I hope I don't ramble too much, but I think this is interesting and important. Almost every teenager goes through some sort of existential time in their life, right? Where they're like, they're like thinking about their life and death and what does it all mean? And, you know, screw society even, you know, so many, I'm almost every kid, at least for a moment. So why do some people stay there? In other words, and I can say that I'm definitely still rebellious in a certain way, right? Like I'm still trying to be independent, my own person, you know, like not try to fall into the, right? You, you see what I'm saying? Because I took, I, I prioritized that. I set that as a goal. Like I thought I saw value there and I continued to, to return there. You know, so when my marriage got really hard and almost, we almost got divorced instead of calling it quits though, I had set the marriage above myself and even my wife, you know, right? And so the marriage started advocating like, I need to look, I need to change. Something needs to happen, right? I had a higher goal in mind, so to speak, and it kept pulling me and I'd return there and it'd get hard again and I'd return again. Does this make any sense? That That's part yeah. of what we can do though. Uh, we need to get it, we need to find that way. And by the way, so here's the interesting thing too. The way that I did that in my marriage, to use this as an example, keep this example, was very different than the way my wife did it because she's a very different person. But yet we did a similar thing. She remained open, tried to be vulnerable at times. That was important. Do you know what I mean? Tried to uh, push beyond her normal limits and bounds. I did the same thing. But, but the way we went about that was very different. Why am I saying that? Because of the nature thing, right? Like there's certain things you can't change. Like I'm still very much the same person in so many ways, but in some ineffable sometimes, but fundamental way, I'm very different. Does this make any sense? I just like the thing about goals, like, because this is why I thought about the horse too. It's like, you know, life life is maybe the horse you're riding, right? The horse is doing the work, you know, is taking you somewhere, but but you still have to tell it where to go. Right. You still have to set a goal. And the quality of whatever you get out of the ride is 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 almost like the quality of where you're telling it to go. Absolutely. And then, you know, you might have a different style about how you do that. Maybe you take this path through the woods than this path through the field. You know, everyone's going to go their own way. Yeah. But you still have to know where you're going. And, and the value in life doesn't so much come from what you're given, but where you take what you're given. Absolutely. And, and where you take what you're given has everything to do with the goal, right? That's what I would call your orientation. What are you oriented yeah, exactly. toward? What are you orienting yourself toward? And then how you get there, you know, your, the posture you adopt. That, so that, again, it just comes back to orientation and posture, but it's like, what is the goal? 
And then how do I walk toward the goal so that I actually get somewhere and so that I actually bring some value? And I, and I think that that's what is yours. Yeah. Is the goal and you choose and, and, and how you posture yourself as you move towards your goal. Right. And that's what you walk away with, I think, as your yeah, own, absolutely. as what you contributed, not what was given right. to you. Yeah. Right. And understanding the difference there is very helpful for actually accomplishing the goal. In other words, yes. understanding how, what is yours and what isn't, what you, know, what you can take blame and credit for, it's very useful. It, it, it's, a, it's another level of clarity or self-awareness like we're always talking about. And without it, you're not likely to get to the goal, you know, or even, or even be heading in the direction you think you're heading. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah. Because you, because some of your thinking is, is not quite right, right? You're, you're, you're off, you're off cue or skew. So I think yeah. that's an interesting, yeah. Yeah. So much is if, if, if so much remains unexplored, then what do you know about your goal? Have you explored right. your goals? Right. What do you know about your own goals? Goals are complicated. It's like everyone's where they want to be. Wants are complicated. <laughs> Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of wants active at the same time. There's a lot of different yous inside you that want different That's things. Right. There's a lot of different yous inside you that have different goals. Mm -hmm. And they're all the river. That they those are all those pieces of you are making up the river of you that's just dragging you through life wherever they want to go. So that five percent that's left over or whatever is left over that's actually conscious you, what you mm -hmm. are going to bring to the table, you have to understand that your your job is to just slowly direct the other 95% of you and of life. And to do that, like, you have to be pretty conscious of where you want to go. It's not like you have endless, it's not like you're 100% in control, so you get to explore all these things. Like, there's a limited amount of time, there's a limited amount of resources in a way that yeah. really pays to spend some of those resources exploring so that by the time you do make a conscious choice, it's actually a conscious choice <laughs> that, right. that right. benefits right. you, right? right? So that yeah. you can choose the few things that really matter. I really liked how you said that. Like there's very little, all that splashing, there's very few of those splashes that maybe <laughs> amount to very much. Right. It's really good to, <laughs> to uh, get really good at recognizing which ones amount to something and which ones don't. You know what I discovered in my life, David, right around that time, that you know, we're sharing about you know, when I started realizing I couldn't take so much credit for, is that very little, like all that splashing, and I'd done a lot, you know, and, and it, you know, what seemed like I created all these different things, right? But in the end, very, they did very little. The things that I didn't even pay a lot of attention to actually were the things that, that fed dividends, if you will, or, or paid dividends you know, in the future. That, because a lot of that splashing, it just, it fades, it goes, it's gone, you know? I, again, I know we talked about this in another episode, but I just wanna, you know, this is the problem with having only physical goals, so to speak, you know, money and, and even, even um, you know, I wanna say relationships, but I mean experiences. A lot of people are into that, right? You know, the travel and not, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. And the thing about those things is they're, they, they're transient. They come and go for the most part. Like they're not the goal that's going to help you sift through some of the harder times. They have their purpose. I mean, it's obviously, it's not that we shouldn't focus on these. They're not the end goal though, in my opinion. And the people who tend to make those their end goals are the people who tend to 
I don't feel like they're as fulfilled, you know? Like, they're, they're the people who are constantly splashing, 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 right? Trying to const- keep the show up, and so to speak. I think a lot of times because those goals aren't theirs. Like we said, how much, you know, how much yeah, credit should you so take? True. How much credit should so you take true. for that goal? Did, did you yeah. choose travel because you were born into a vacuum of no information and it just occurred to you that travel would be fulfilling? Or did you see it in right. a TV commercial? Or on an Instagram account. (laughs) Or someone told you about this amazing trip they took. And they planted the seed. And the seed grew. And now you are acting according to that idea that now has you. Right. right? The idea has you. Right. It's not really yours. And and so I really think uh, just coming to terms with the fact that a lot of these goals on the ground aren't even yours. They're not your inventions. They they were handed to you. And, And that I don't even know that you can take credit for them. And so when you get them, it's like... Well, how much are you even going to get out of them? Because they're not what you are probably really after anyway, you know, because you never really asked yourself what you're really after or why these things seem appealing. Right. The travel might might answer something, some longing in your heart. Sure. But it's but it's not the travel, but it's not the travel. There's something deeper. The travel is going to give you something, but you haven't explored what that even means yet. So how are you supposed to get the the juice out of the travel unless you know why you're driven to travel, you know? Right. And I think this all starts or, or can start when you ask the question, honestly, how much credit can I take for myself? How much blame can I take for myself? Yeah, you know, or like I, it, I like to jump right to the point. Don't take so much credit for yourself. <laughs> that's even more right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm going to try to not take so much credit for this episode when I ask, please subscribe if you're enjoying these conversations. <laughs> Hit the like button, leave a comment, sign up for the mailing list. These things are all very meaningful to us and they help encourage us to keep going and showing up every week to make these uh, hopefully useful and interesting conversations. Yeah, and join the conversation. Join Join it in the comments below. Join up on the mailing list. You can suggest a topic for another episode, whatever you'd like to hear us talk about. And uh, yeah. So what's up next time? Next time you wanted to do something because tis the season. Because I hear a sound. It's the jingle jangle bells of <laughs> of santa giving presents no <laughs> yeah so i will I edit was, in all kind of uh, uh, uh festive uh, sound effects into this excellent. section hooves on on the rooftop i hope i hope i want to hear that because <laughs> you know these hooves it's it, exactly so we're going to be talking about the uh, i'm going to call it this the art of giving and receiving I'm going to say that for now. We'll see. But I I think this is a a very interesting and important conversation, but it's it's also timely, right? Hopefully this episode will be showing up right right there for the holiday. Yes, it will. (laughs) It will. I have have deemed it true because (laughs) I am the river. I am the horse. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm glad you can take that. I I don't want any of that. You can have all of that. (laughs) Thanks, David. (laughs) All right. You have ownership. (laughs) All right. Until next time, my friend. Sounds good. Take care, Dave. All right. Bye-bye.